Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, let's get started. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Again, this is the easiest series ever. Just turn to the beginning. I believe in the soft cover Bibles, it's page 3 or 4 there, and uh, it might be 5. I don't know where we're getting in the thing, but it's right, right up front there, Genesis chapter 1. As you turn in there, I'm going to back this up a little bit so I can move. All right. Not sure if you, uh, you heard the news this past week, um, but our newly elected president um, urged, used his authority to sign several executive orders. Anybody hear this? I don't know if you pay attention. Nobody? Yeah. You've heard a, few, a little bit about it. Um, one of those orders banned um, all the people from seven countries from entering the United States. Um, I'd say it's a pretty substantive um, exertion of his authority. Right? Would you agree that that's like a big, that's a big uh, use of power? Right? I'm going to ban people from seven countries from entering the U.S. Um, when I exert my authority, I ask my wife permission first. Like, I'm putting my foot down as long as you're okay with it, right? Like, I get to decide what I wear. She did not have any say in this, okay? I decided to do this today. That's about it. That's about all I get, right? Like, that's it. Like, that's, like, that's my authority. Um, when you hear that someone exerted their authority, let me ask you this. Do you think that is positive or negative? What's your natural, like when I say somebody exerted their authority, do you think that is, do you think of that in a positive way or do you think of that in a negative way? And you answer for yourself, right? But that will be based on your history and your experience and your understanding of authority. But that has a connotation to you, to each of us individually. Authority is defined as basically the legal right, in my words, the legal right to do what you want. That's authority. You are legally allowed to do what you want. That's authority, right? Like that would be your authority. Um, it's amoral. It's not good or bad. It's just a thing, right? It's just a, it's a mechanism. You can do it. For, you can use it for good or for bad. It's up to you. Um, see, one of the problems with authority is the abuse of it, right? When people abuse authority, it creates fear, distrust, leads to rebellion. Uh, let me ask you this. Why are there body cameras on police officers? Why are there video cameras in daycares? You shouldn't need those things. Uh, why are businesses audited? Dave, can you tell me why? No, all right. um, why does government have three branches? Why are there term limits? <laughs> you see a theme? Um, you know, why, why is, let me ask you this. Why is there an employee monitoring self-checkout? Anybody? All right, listen, actually, the, the truth is it's not because they don't trust you. It's because we have no idea what we're doing. We're like, I don't understand the machine's blinking. I don't help, right? And so they come over. Um, the abuse of authority creates distrust in authority. Right? That, that follows, right? It's logical. It follows. But that's not the only problem with authority. It's not just the abuse of authority. There's also the abdication of authority or the forfeiting of it or the, the not exercising of your authority. Abdication is a big word. I love it. So it's a good SAT word, kids. Um, it's the refusal to exercise your authority. Um, 
when those in a position of influence refuse to use it. That's abdication. So tell me, you don't get upset when you're in line and somebody cuts you and the attendant does nothing. Come on, right? Or, or, or um, if you know somebody cuts you off or is driving recklessly or something and there's a cop and they don't do anything. Come on. See it. You can't see that? When players behave inappropriately and the coach does nothing, right? When the people who can help don't, right? Don't we get upset about that? Doesn't that make you upset? We get angry because that's wrong. Because you should help. You're in position of, of authority. You're supposed to help and you're not. They're abdicating their authority. They're not exercising it. They're not doing it. So there's the abuse of authority, but there's also the abdication of it. Those are both problems. Authority is a great responsibility to carry. The solution is very simple to this. Just give me all the authority. I will do it. I'm telling you, if I were king, things would be different, right? Don't we have that mentality, right? If I were king, oh, I can't believe what they're doing because if, if I was in their shoes, I would do it differently. Right? We would do it right, right? If I were the PTA president, if I were the boss, right? If I, kids, if I was the parent, right? If I was my, right? If you were the parent, you would do it right. You would know exactly how to get it right. If you were the coach on the team, boy, I would play myself a whole lot more, Right? We're all amazing armchair quarterbacks, myself included. You know, we all know how to do everybody else's job better. Let me tell you, if I was the basketball coach for my son's team, we would not be 0-7. I promise you, we would not be 0-7. Listen, I know basketball. I play a lot of basketball. I was a youth pastor for so many years. I know how to inspire kids. If I was the coach, we would be better. The only problem is I am the coach. Let me just tell you, this whole authority thing is harder than it looks. Right? It's one thing to say, I know what I'm doing, I know how to do it, but when you actually get in it, boy, it's complicated. It's complicated. That's why I'm glad I'm not God. Everybody else said, yeah, thanks, Sherlock. Right? Um, God is the great authority. The greatest authority. He is the creator, the author, the beginning of all things. I mean, God is like, he's, in terms of authority, got no boss. He's up there. We've talked about this. He revealed his authority to Job when he was questioning. Job was questioning God's wisdom and God's fairness. Job was having problems, lots of problems. I don't blame Job at all. I mean, he was, he was having a bad, I mean, no good, horrible, absolutely very bad day, whatever. He was having it. And Job's like, God, what do you, you know? And then God says, okay, you want to you have this conversation? Oh, man, you want to read some good scripture? I'm going to read just a little bit of it. Here you go. In Job chapter 38, this is what we read. It says, God says, this is God talking to Job. So imagine you're like having a bad day and God says to you, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Tell me, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the tomb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. He said, this far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. 
Have you ever, God continues on, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape, the clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know about it. And God continues for 125 verses like this. I'm telling you. Job is going, I mean, he's just shrinking, you know, deflating. And God says, listen, before you pretend like you know better, remember who you're talking to. I am the supreme leader, the king, the president of the corporation, the top dog. He is the ink master, the greatest ninja warrior. He is the voice, the iron chef who literally made the food. He holds all things in his hand. I am the authority in all things. Drops the mic. Walks away. God is the great authority. So what? We're studying the creation series. Here's called good. Because God creates and he calls it good. And he creates and he calls it good. And so far in week one, God says, I can create something out of nothing. And he needs nothing from you. It's amazing. Just speaks into the nothingness and then there's something. And in week two, God creates change, seasons, days, nights. He gives you the signs to navigate it. Then in week three, God creates potential for more. As I be fruitful and multiply, go make more. And as his final stroke here, God does something so unexpected, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. We're going to read this in Genesis chapter one. We're going to pick it up in verse 26. If you'd like to read along, it'll be on the screen as well. It says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And all Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 29, Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, my favorite words, and that is what happened. And God speaks it, and that's what happens. Verse 31, he finishes, Then God looked over all he had made. This is not just over... You know, humanity, this is everything. God took a step back, looks at everything he makes, and this is, and he saw that it was very, exceedingly, abundantly good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. God made us like him. In his image, in his likeness, let me tell you, something about you is different. Something about humanity is different than everything else God made We have the imprint of God on us somewhere, somehow. It's not ears or noses or eyes because animals have that. It's not brains or speech because other creatures have that. It's not that we grow or mature because even the plants have that. There's something greater, something in us that is God-like. He didn't tell us what it is. It's just he made it in his image. 
And it fills us with wonder to think that I am like God. You are like God. There's something in you, unique and distinct from all other creation, that makes you like God. Think about that. All people have it. Every woman, every man, every child, every infant. Everybody. Every ethnicity. We all have God's image in us. And that by itself is incredible. I could stop there and be like, hey, you got God in you. And that's pretty remarkable. But there's more. Not only are we like God in form, we are like him in power. See, God gave humanity two mandates. One is to be fruitful and multiply. Go make more. And the second is this. It's interesting. Govern the earth. Rule over the animals. Rule. God has given you authority. Think about that. God gave you authority over all his creation. How crazy is God? I mean, seriously, if you were God, would you give you authority? All people have been created with the image of God, and whatever that is sets us apart from everything else and qualifies us to have authority. Like, Think about that. That's what makes us different, that we have the image of God. And whatever that image of God is, it qualifies us to rule. And that authority comes with an expectation. You have authority given by God because of his image in you. And it comes with, 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 with an expectation as this. To quote the very wise Uncle Ben, Spider-Man, Uncle Ben, with great power comes, anybody? Great responsibility. Come on, you guys know this. Don't pretend like you don't. You all watch Spider-Man. God created humanity and gave them authority and called it good. He says, with great power, with great authority comes responsibility. See, when God stepped back and surveyed all creation, he said, it's very good. I put you in charge. And he says, that is very good. It's exceedingly abundantly good. It's perfect. You were created to leverage your authority for good. Hear that. You were created to leverage your authority for good. Which brings us to today. There are two types of authority. There is human authority and there is spiritual authority. Human authority is who's in charge. Who's in charge? And that gets, that gets abused all the time. From bullies in the hallway to bullies in the boardroom. From the abuse of power on Capitol Hill to the abuse of power in home. Human authority is far too often abused. And it causes distrust and a negative impression of authority. And spiritual authority is also sometimes abused. But sometimes it's something else. Jesus came and told his disciples in Matthew, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. You know what he does with that? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, the God of all authority has given you authority to overcome anything that challenges God's plan. Doesn't mean we get what we want. This is not like God has given you authority to go say, I'm having my way. I'm go get my way. God gave me authority. Do what I said. Seriously, all I can do is dress myself. And I'll get to why the suit in a minute, I promise. There's a reason. It's not just because I wanted to wear a suit. I didn't. We have authority over every situation and circumstance that God says we do. 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And in Matthew 16, he says, I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven to you. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Think about this. You have real authority over the enemy. Do you realize? Do we realize this? We have real authority over the enemy. The authority to heal. That's a big deal. See, the greatest problem with human authority is it's abused all the time. But I think the greatest problem, the tragedy of spiritual authority, is that we abdicate it all the time. We don't exercise it. We don't assert it. God created us with authority, with great power. Let me be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. Can I ask you today? How many of us can say we are truly living with full spiritual authority? Could you say that? Is that true of you? Are you living right now in a way that reflects that the God of all creation created you in his image with the power to rule? Are you exerting true authority over the enemy? Is that you? Because I'll be honest, it's not me. I'm not living up to that. When is the last time you resisted the devil and he just ran away? When's the last time you prayed with faith for healing and it happened? When's the last time you defied common wisdom and stepped out in faith and did something that others would go, why? Because you knew that God told you to trust him. Does your life reflect the authority God has created within you? We have to do business with this. We can't just say, oh, this is a nice little message and move on. I'm telling you, this is a cornerstone. The Christian life. You know what a Christian without authority is? It's a Ferrari without fuel. It's a Christian without authority. You're a machine. You can't do anything. It's a waste. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me tell you, God's not playing around. It's a big deal. I know it's an intense message. I'm sorry. I told you I had a suit on. You better expect it. What are you doing with your authority? Are you abusing it? Are you abdicating it? And Jesus presents the third option. He says you can leverage it for good. I'm going to invite Nikki and the team to come on up as I kind of start the circle here. Jesus showed us the best way to do this is to leverage our authority for good. In Matthew chapter 20, it'll be on the screen. It says, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Human authority, they flaunt it. Verse 26, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, listen, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Later in Matthew, Jesus said this, the greatest among you must be a servant. 
He gave us the pathway to using our authority. Become a servant. Let me ask you, is serving, it's not passive. It's not weak. How many think of a servant? You think of a servant as weak. It's just sort of that goes with the word. The servant is less. You don't think of a servant with authority. You think of a servant as weak, as a lesser. But let's look at Jesus. He was a servant, yes? Jesus spoke to demons, and they ran. He spoke to dead people, and they came back to life. He spoke to blind eyes, and they opened. He spoke to deaf ears, and they heard. He spoke to storms on the water, and they calmed down in a moment. He spoke to cripple legs, and their owners danced. He had power. Let me ask you something. Did the servant Jesus have authority? He spoke with authority. What set his authority apart was that he refused to use it to serve himself. He used it. He leveraged it for the good of others. Now, he could have used it for himself, but he chose not to. He didn't abuse it. He definitely didn't abdicate his authority. He leveraged it for good. The question again, how can you use your authority that God has hardwired into you for the good of others? What are you doing with your authority? How can you exert spiritual authority for the good of your family? Let's make it practical. How can you exert spiritual authority for the good of your family? Let me ask you, what are you praying over your family? How would their lives be different if God answered all your prayers right now? How would your family's life be different if God answered every one of your prayers? Tell me, are you exerting your authority for the good of your family? Can you pray bigger prayers for them? It's a year of wonder after all. Come on. Let's pray huge. You can't overpray. You can't outpray God. Bring it. Come on. Got something bigger? Do it. Come on. I have given you all authority. You can exert authority in your school. You can exert authority in your workplace. Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know what it says? This little sentence after it says, against such things there is no law. You know what that means? I read that and it says, you have all authority to be kind at school. You have all authority to be kind at school. No law can stop you. You have all authority to be gentle at work. To be self-controlled. No one will oppose you. If you exerted your authority to be like God, to leverage that part of you that is just like Him, guess what? Everybody's going to notice. People are going to see it in you. We can even exert authority in our world. Right now, I'm kind of wrapping up this final year of a master's degree for myself. I'm studying. I'm going through a class and one of the classes right now is on culture, and every week I've got to write something about culture. Culture is good. Culture is kind of how we agree is okay to live based on what we believe to be true. That's culture. Culture is what we agree is the right way to live based on what we, we believe to be true about life. God gave us culture. It's sort of like an accountability thing. When you tithe, or, and I see you tithe, and I go, oh, they, they believe that God continues to provide, that the culture is a culture of tithing, that everybody does that, and it's encouraging to me and it reminds me that God's my provider and in a culture of prayer that God's listening and hearing and, and, and God hears me and, and it encourages me and 
you know, a culture of forgiveness, that God is gracious. And it, it encourages me. Culture can, can lift up. This world has distorted culture. Culture now opposes faith. To live the faith-filled life is actually counter-cultural. To do things that honor God. Culture has actually become, instead of being something that encourages us to walk with God, it's become an obstacle to our relationship with God. But culture, oh, this is good news. Culture can be redeemed. Let me tell you, in Matthew, Jesus says this. He says, you, say me, say me, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, guess what? It cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds. Your what deeds? Your good deeds. And what happens? And they glorify your Father in heaven. Through the power of Jesus Christ at work, listen, even one person's life lived in a manner consistent with the culture of heaven shines brightly in the darkest of this world's culture. Jesus Christ has empowered the church, you and me, to redeem culture. Exert your authority. It changes things. What we do matters. God created us to rule. Let your light shine. And when we do, let me tell you, God smiles. When you exert that authority, God smiles. Jesus said that what we do for others, even for the least of these, we do it for God. When you exert your authority, guess what? How we leverage our authority is actually an act of worship. God created you that way. When you when you Exert that authority. It's worship to God. It's a, it's, a, it's a good smell in his nose. It's a good sight to his eyes. It's a good sound in his ears. Proverbs tells us, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. God made you different than anything else, and he gave you power to rule. You can abuse it, you can abdicate it, or you can leverage it for good. Why God did it that way, listen, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. What I can tell you is that when he finished, he stepped away from the canvas and looked at it all, took it all in and said, this is very, very good. Couldn't be better. When you use what God has given you for good, it is very good. Now, the suit. I exerted my authority to dress myself today and I wore this. This is an homage today. I wore this for Mike McGuire. Mike's wife, Ray, is with us today. Ray, love you. Mike always wore a suit. Mike's the best-dressed man in church, hands down. And he received his promotion this past Thursday. And I imagine that right now he's having the best cup of coffee he's ever had. His shoes are shined. He's grinning from ear to ear because he doesn't have to wait for that daggone red light to turn. Can I tell you, as Mike got older, certain things, certain privileges or power that he had was taken from him. Body fails. You don't have the authority you used to have. One thing he did have was the ability to dress himself. 
I tell you, he always wore a suit. So, Mike, why are you wearing a suit, man? You can be casual here. I'm in jeans. Mike said, you know, God deserves my best. And you could see your, your face in his shoes. They were shining that much. I still wore my suit, my, my, my jeans. I still wore it. I mean, every day I wore my jeans. It didn't matter. But he would come with that suit, and it communicated. you know what it communicated? That suit was his authority saying, I believe. I believe. Let me tell you. I will never, I'm wearing a suit today. That's for Mike. Never underestimate the influence, your decision to exert whatever authority you find you have for good. Never underestimate the, the power that, that might have. Last Thursday, God exerted his authority. He called Mike home. We feel lost because Mike's no longer with us, but no sorrow for Mike right now. Because when God exerts his authority, you know what? It's always for good. It's always for good. I'd like to close with a prayer this morning. Would you bow your heads? God, we thank you for your goodness. You are the great authority. You've created us different than anything else on earth. Given us incredible potential. Lord, you gave us something different. You gave us the responsibility of authority. God, today we ask for forgiveness if we have abused it. If that's you today and you say, you know, I've abused my authority, God, God sees your heart. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, but just between you and God, just say, God, I'm sorry. The authority you've given me, I've used it to serve myself, to increase my kingdom rather than for anybody else. God, forgive us for abusing our authority. And perhaps today you've abdicated it. You haven't exerted it. You've done nothing. Say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for that. God, it's me. I'm, I've just not lived up to what you created me to be. God, we, we repent today of abdicating our authority, of not using it. And Lord, I just, I thank you most of all that today is a brand new day. Do you forgive and you speak into our lives, go and sin no more. Rule and reign. God, today I ask, Lord, we commit to being servants today. To serving others with the authority that you give us for good. If that's you today and you say, I want to, I need to make that commitment. Maybe for the first time, maybe I need to renew that commitment, whatever, wherever you are. But you say, you know what? I want to commit today to being a servant with the authority that God has given me. I will serve others for good. If that's you, I'm going to do something different. If you're able, would you stand? Would you say, that's me. I want to be a servant today. If that's you, would you just stand today?
Heavenly Father, together, Lord, may we be an influence for good in this community. May we be an influence for good in our families, in our workplaces. May we change the schools. May the schools never be the same. May we change the culture. May we let our light shine. May things be different because of our lives. We give, Lord, our best for your good. Receive our best today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.